Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. And yes, we know we say like a lot. It's kind of the point, because politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl and the Gub, the podcast. Welcome back. And I need to start this off with a scenario that just happened to me because one, it's a story. Two, I need everyone's help. And it's like light help. It's not like, you know, nitty gritty, whatever. Okay. So everyone has always made fun of me for the way that I say arugula. Apparently I say, okay. Okay. That that reaction. Correct. That is okay. So I just went, which is very off brand for me. I'm not a sandwich girl, but I actually was like the one type of sandwich that I like is like an arugula, mozzarella, prosciutto, <laughs> tomato. Oh like, oh, lady. Ladies hi, here. buddy. Oh, God. Okay. Well, now my bad, like little kid dog voice is going to be in this recording. So, everyone, <laughs> you're so, so welcome. I didn't realize how bad it was till we were doing a different recording. And then I overheard myself going, oh, and I was like, wow. It's really not bad Anyways. compared to mine. Don't worry. But I will never Just, expose that to the public. Yeah. It's, I have see, you're smarter with that it. nobody can ever hear except B. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Putting the dog stuff aside <laughs> because we will go down the dog rabbit hole for hours. Yeah. So anyways, I go, I, I'm in Vermont this week and I like go to like order the sandwich, whatever. And I'm like, it's one of the, like, they don't have it there. It's like an a la carte situation. So I was like, okay, like on that roll with arugula. And the guy looks at me, like I have 10 heads. He's like, the what? And I'm like, arugula. And he's like, I don't even know what that is. That's like an SNL skit. (laughs) But I like, so like, I can't say, like, I have tried, like my friends have said it, like the way that I guess it's supposed. Excuse me. Okay. I've never heard that one either. Arugula. How do your friends say what? it? I don't know if I can do it. Like, wait, okay. So I say arugula. They say arugula. Ar- mm, mm. They probably say arugula. It's, it's not as, as, the U isn't as pronounced. It's more Which along you? those lines, but, oh, f- wait. How do you say, oh, there are two years. <laughs> I'm done. I'm absolutely done. But no, the, uh, the second, the second U is less pronounced than the way you say it. Arugula. The way they do it. Arugula? Arugula? I think it's more that. It's closer to that. Arugula. Yeah, that's a lot yeah. of people say it like that, I guess. And I just, I don't know what it is, but this one's just always been funny because my friends always make fun of me for the way I say it. And I'm like, oh, must have been like, because especially most of my best friends are tri-state area kids. I'm like, oh, this must have been like a Vermont thing. You know, it must have been that. But here I am in Vermont saying arugula and the guy thinks I have 10 heads and I don't know if I can walk back into the shop again like I it was something else so that's story one okay so this and also I did tell my friend that we were shouting him out so you know you got to bring him up 
You got to bring them up. Okay. So in the funniest DM slide that I think I've personally ever received, but also like kind of the best DM slide, one of my guy friends slid into my DMs at 2am on a Saturday. I was surprisingly asleep, which is unlike me, but anyways, I wake up nice, nice and late. I actually slept in for once. And I have a DM slide from said guy friend with a like with Maddie's video, it's one of our girl on the of the podcast videos, actually one of our paid sponsorships too, all about voting and voting deadlines, et cetera. And he had sent me the video and then the caption, <laughs> he was like, you're the real. Which we yeah. love to see and we encourage right, right, and love right. If there is a DM slide that involves voting or human rights, like, look, you're definitely barking up the right tree. But this the is question where we is got- who who's who? who's making you turn out to vote? Is it Maddie in the video or is it Samantha that you're sliding into the DMs at 2 a.m.? Like, I have never or is it lost, both? Like, Samantha is both. He's both. he's what's the what's the phrase where they like they they're casting a wide net that's there it is there it is we got there so i mean it's yeah so anyways that well, cracked speaking me of up. boys voting i was mm. at a party this weekend and it was a boy's house and you know what a boy's house is like you know just is that the one disgusting. i i cropped him from the picture huh i don't I know who that boy is nonetheless i i'm going through that house you know it's a house party so it's gross there's cans everywhere you know the smell mm. it's all mm-hmm. say. crap basement y- yeah you know it and on the t- kitchen table which is acting as beer pong table of course surrounded by cans of alcohol and probably some other mystery items <laughs> there's there's three voter guides and in my head i go this is content. This is girl in the content <laughs> in the fierce form. <laughs> and the picture is just, I literally, so, you know, like go to my phone the next day as you do after a night out, look in your, your album, your photo album. And I see Classic. these pictures I took. <laughs> there is a paper bag with oil on it. There's <laughs> a couple beers, a couple white claws crushed up, a skateboard in the background, just looking out. And then like the three, big voter guides and I was like this is so cute just love to see it do I know that they're actually going to participate no but you know everyone gets in the mail here so I was just like what a cute vibe and then the next day I'm like took these really disgusting pictures of a gross boy house party table that's actually iconic also that picture did make it into a lovely little and I was gonna say it's such like a photo dump that like you know like these days how people put like random photo dumps Mm -hmm. together that are just not aesthetically pleasing like it's one of those where it's just like a photo dump pic that's like ugly and just makes it in the photo dump so go check it out it's on our on our Instagram and you can go see the said disgusting table with the voter guides because we just love to see it I was giving pregame politics and yeah it's just it's just cool to see, you know, election season is just touching everybody and here we are. And speaking of, don't let your friends miss elections and Bingo. while you're at it, why don't you go get merch that says that? Because we dropped a collection with social goods that has a trucker hat, a tote, stickers, a pop socket that all say friends don't let friends miss elections and you can go get it right now. So definitely go check it out and 
make a purchase before this big election so you can rock it when you go out to vote or when you're honestly on your hawk girl walk or whatever it is and you can just spread that important message that friends don't let friends miss elections. We're also just gonna plug our giving circle because we are trying to raise money for underfunded progressive state legislature races so that we can protect human rights, women's rights, our democracy and such. So go check it out. That will be linked in the episode description. And if you can donate what you can, if you can send it to your friends and family and see if they can donate what they can, it's super, super important issue. And we want to, you know, do our part and contribute. So go check it out. Amen to that. Sorry, I'm wearing my standing jeans with a shirt that does not go with the standing jeans. Not the standing jeans. Into a comfortable position, and it's just not it. Like the aesthetics on this video. But yeah, from- everyone, you know, like when you're wearing your standing mm-hmm. jeans at dinner and you have to like sit flat. <laughs> Samantha is doing that right now. That is literally like, happening. Her I legs also- are straight. Her body is then like <laughs> trying to be parallel with the legs. You know, you know the vibe if you've ever been there. You know, wearing your going out jeans, but you have to go to dinner first and you can't sit. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe for Samantha right now, which is interesting because it's Tuesday. But nonetheless. <laughs> nonetheless. Oh, God, I'm dead. Okay, wait. So a few things, though, that we do want to touch on before we get into it, before we get into the sauce. So we also have a winter internship. So if you are at college, university, and you are taking a internship class and need to fulfill that credit, this internship is for you. Or if it's a class that has an internship component to it as well, same thing goes, need to be able to take school credit. So all the details on the internship can be found on our website in the little career section. And just an important note, no cover letter because cover letters are canceled. It's the only thing I'll ever cancel. So yeah, that's just the email us that. with a with a little snippet. About yeah, you want to be an intern. Bada bing, bada boom. Yes. Why you want to be an intern? Also, and... speaking of fun things, our oh. brand ambassador. <laughs> yeah, our brand ambassador program. Brand ambassador program myself. You, you know what? You do actually. Ahead. No, I honestly like you are more cohesive, a more cohesive describer. I can't use English any words i do just have a a built-in script in my head at this point let me run through it real fast okay if you're not looking for an internship (laughs) and (laughs) you want to get involved with girl on the gov and our brand and help build our brand and our mission you can join our brand ambassador program you can go to girlonthegov.com go to our brand ambassador section check out the program see if it's for you sign up at the link and then we'll be setting up a call with you to meet you and get you into the program. There's no requirements. It's all volunteer-based, and you can really make the program what you want it. If you want political networking opportunities, we have those. If you want a community of women that you can turn to and talk about politics with, we have that as well. If you want to, again, spread the brand message, put on social media, that's that's a piece of it as well. So there's something for everyone Again, no requirements. Just sign up. We want to build this community and we want you in it. So go check it out at girlinthegup.com. Whoa, <laughs> that was pretty good. Not bad. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> do we want to talk about Teen Vogue? You guys, we were in Teen Vogue last week. It's fine. I think it was the highlight of my life. Like I genuinely think like like we didn't peak because like there's so much more work to be done and so much more like just the to start. come but like it's one We're of those be moments like invited whew. to the Met Gala next year just be ready for that that's that's mm. usually what, what would you next, I think so yeah it's a, it's a classic it's hand in hand I mean yeah come on Teen Vogue political feature meets Met Gala I mean I see a collaboration in the works what what are we wearing in the Met Gala 
Well, we'll have to see what the theme is, but that's fair. And see, you know, what Ooh. designers reach out. But yeah, it, yes, okay. that happened. Well, We're super excited and. about it. We talked about voter registration. So go check it out. We'll link it in this episode description so you can read as well. But we are also on one of our favorite pods last week. It was just a week full of fun. It really was. I was like, okay, look, here's the thing is anything in terms of podcasting, content creation, owning a business, politics, whatever, every day is a roller coaster. But last week's roller coaster was a great time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but that was like, what is life like? Pinch me. Is this real? Mm-hmm. You were on V Interesting with V Spear, which is one of our favorite podcasts. And if you are like, wait, it sounds familiar. Where's this podcast? Who is V? Under the Desk News, which yes. also literally favorite content creator in mm-hmm. the news sphere, which isn't even like content. Like it's content creation meets being an anchor of a news show. Like it's, no, it's incredible. And I, we love V. V is amazing. The show is amazing. We are absolutely beyond honored to be a guest on their show because Ricky Lake, I believe, is also coming on. Like, we're the guests they have slated are really impressive. And the fact that we're included is, I sure doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Also, side note to that is V came on our show as well. And that Mm -hmm. episode will be out in a few weeks. We will get into this episode. Give me one sec because one more thing. RSVP to a free event. We are actually co-hosting. We are talking with Flip the Vote to talk about how you can make your largest impact on these 2022 midterms and build people power for 2024. So we got asked to be co-hosts for that event, which is super exciting. You can go to the link in this episode description to RSVP to the event Eventbrite. If you don't know if you can go yet or if you just RSVP, then you can just get notified when it happens. So you can remember if you have time that day to come check it out, then just go RSVP. We'd love to have you. So there's that. And don't forget to listen to our Top Stories episode from yesterday. We talk about all the craziness that's just happening in the political world and how it's kind of bleeding into this election and how it's contributing to what voters think about this election. So there's that story. There's the teacher shortage story, which is so important. I'm super glad we got to highlight that because mm-hmm. it's a very important topic right now. So make sure you go and listen always. to that. And always. And Biden's marijuana pardon. We talk about that and also, you know, how much more work there is to be done on that topic. So go listen to our top stories. And now we are super excited to introduce our guests, which are the hosts of political playlist two of three hosts may i say so we had anna and anthony on from political playlist michael wasn't able to make it but they are the trio behind political playlist an incredible playlist that highlights young members of congress facts 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 honestly this conversation playlist well you did but it's honestly (laughs) not even well i guess an incredible podcast slash playlist Well, okay, I don't know here's, what I said. They do also part of their part of what they do is they create a playlist, like a newsletter playlist of news and stuff around young politicians, the ones under the ripe age of 45. There are only 75 of these politicians in Congress, which is wild. This could change with these midterm elections. We'll see where these numbers go. But either way, not too many out of what the 535 members of Congress, mm-hmm. right? Baffling numbers there. Anyways, without further ado, here's Political Playlist. We are so excited to have you guys here. 
we discovered y'all on the great old Instagram, naturally, and could not have been more excited to find the political playlist. We have a whole demo of young voters. You guys are going after something very similar. And there's just so much synergy between Girl on the Gov and political playlist. But we want to get into the nitty gritty, how you guys started, where it all began. And of course, obviously, hello, what is the political playlist? So maybe let's start with that. What do you guys do? What is it all about? I can I can give the description and then Anthony can tell our our political playlist meet meet cute story. Yeah, I'm a, I'm always a good follow up. <laughs> yeah, so political playlist is an educational nonpartisan political platform, and we inform voters about the 76 members of Congress who are under 45 years old. We record one video episode a week that is about 10 to 12 minutes long. And we release it on Instagram, on YouTube and on a podcast. And we focus on an issue that is topical and pressing. And we discuss what some of these young leaders in Congress are doing about it. And our goal really is to educate people. Like I said, we're nonpartisan. We're not really advocating for one side or the other, but we think that it's important that no matter what your beliefs are, you know who these young politicians are because they hold the the keys to our governmental future. So totally. So before we dive a bit more into our platform, we have a really funny story about how Anne and I first met. We were actually at a restaurant opening in Los Angeles and we were sitting at a communal table. We did not know each other and a girl fainted on our table. And Stop it. We, yeah. What? And at first I thought she was just trying to get our seats at the table <laughs> because they were having a major issue. It was really bad. Terrible service. Terrible, terrible service. service. You know, yeah. it was, and we were seated across from each other. So of course you just start talking. You're looking at Because there's like a girl laying on our table. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. Wait. I think her friend said, her friend was like, she took Xanax or something like yeah, that. Like, classic, it was a weird, LA. classic LA moment. <laughs> it was yeah. a very weird situation. But anyways, Anna and I started talking and we realized we had a lot of mutual friends. One of my close friends went to school with her. Then we also both attended USC. And then as we got to UCLA to, first though, so. Yeah, we don't like to tell here. people that. You know, go Lions. So. I'm an we'll sweep it under girl. the rug. Um, yeah, we'll sweep that one under the rug. Ugh, go Bruins. Um, <laughs> But we both started talking about politics and how we both grew up in political households in terms of our parents were involved. And we felt like we were that friend in each friend group who was always the one people would come to and yeah. say, hey, who do I vote for? I don't know what I should do. Mm-hmm. And totally. we had been creating these lists for friends. And we we wanted to do something a bit more than you know going out in the field, knocking on doors, volunteering, growing fundraisers. And while all of that is great, we really wanted to focus on young politicians. Mm -hmm. And I think where that the light bulb came on for us is when we looked at the numbers, the Mm -hmm. fact that only 14% of our Congress is under the age of 45, just like confused us, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Confusing, but also completely expected, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, You would expect it to be a lot more. Right. Right. Um, And then you look at, you know, we were talking about how this week, you know, the Senate is back in session and we have Senator Leahy out with a hip replacement. We got (laughs) Schumer out. So it's it's all the grandmas and grandpas we got to be careful with. But why specifically like this goal of highlighting these, you know, these electeds that are younger? What what is what do you hope to achieve by doing that? I think the goal really is to expose people to 
the individuals who in some cases already are, but for the most part will be the leaders of our parties in the future. I think that we've seen that a lot of leaders stay in leadership positions for a really long time. And so we should make sure they're who we want in those positions. And I think a lot of people are very unhappy with the leaders of our parties right now. And the reality is that these young politicians, you know, like Anthony said, there's only 14% of the entire Congress is under 45. The average age of an American right now is 37 or 38. So you figure like, most voters in America are under the age of 45. Most voters in America are actually under the age of 40, but we can kind of get to that discrepancy that we chose later. But the reality is that these young leaders, even if you don't agree with them, they share a generational experience with you as a young voter. And as you guys know, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, young people don't vote. And one of the biggest reasons they don't vote is they don't feel like inspired. We don't feel like emotionally connected to the politicians, which, you know, I think our parents generation and beyond that didn't feel the need for like an emotional connection to their politicians. I think voting was a more pragmatic thing and it's become a very obviously emotional experience for Americans. And what we notice, even in the ones that we personally disagree with about these young politicians, is that there is kind of this this ability to feel connected to them because they talk like us. They understand the digital space like us. They, in many respects, care about the same issues as as we do, even if our views on them slightly differ or our kind of approaches to solving them slightly differ. Mm -hmm. And so I think our goal in all of this is to show voters, but especially young voters, that there are people in Congress who might look like you talk like you have shared life experiences with you and they could eventually have a lot of power. So if you like them and know about them, you can follow their career and advocate for them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I do want to talk about the 45 situation because like, look, I'm not trying to be ageist here. Someone's going to call me out. I just know it. But we've been called out so many times. Yeah. I feel like there's certain call-outs where it's like you just know it's going to happen. I'm almost like tempted to just like start like a little, I don't know, not not a roadmap, like a tally. Just sure. be like, okay, take a shot for every time it yeah. happens. And yeah. I mean, we'll yeah. just there's be worse, blackout. There's worse fine. things in the world. Yeah. <laughs> sounds fun, honestly. Yeah. Sounds right? Like this time. is the new party trick. It's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. Well, the, the reason we ended up picking the 45 age, not because I look 45, but more because when we looked at the it's politicians- Anthony's so funny, by the way. Uh, ha, ha, ha. So funny it's because when we looked at politicians under the age of 35, it was a very, very small number. It it's was like at, two or 3% of Congress. Yeah, a little less than so. 3%. So we figured we were going to start a platform- with a very small amount of politicians on there, and that would just get a little repetitious. Mm-hmm. So we widen that scope, but we most of the politicians are actually between the ages of the, I would say larger demographic is between the ages of 45 and 60. And then above that is the second largest majority. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically baby boomers and mainly baby boomers, but baby boomers and Gen X have control of Congress. Mm-hmm. Currently, I was going to ask, like, what is that generation? Because I feel like I always skip like millennials. They go from millennials to boomers. To boomer. but I know there's yeah. A Gen so Gen X, X is like so. Gen X is like the like people born in sort of late 60s to 70s. And I think millennial starts in 83. And the interesting thing sort of population wise is that 
there was the baby boomers. Obviously, there's a lot of them, hence the name of their generation. And then millennials are not we're not as populous in numbers as the baby boomers were when they were our age. But we are much more populous than Gen X because I guess, you know, it was like free love and stuff, but there weren't <laughs> being born. No, it honestly, what it, you know, I don't know what it was. It was like women started working and so less mm-hmm. babies were born. And and so the Gen X as a generation is just not as large as the baby boomers. So in political terms, the boomers still have have control. The boomers, boomers definitely. And we can feel it. We can feel them. Can their control yeah. <laughs> yeah we feel the boomers right feel, we feel um, the yeah, boomers all sure. around us well you know just kind of going back to one of the questions you just asked about you know why we wanted to focus on younger politicians it's really as anna mentioned a lot of the issues that young people care about the climate right student debt there is a very similar idea between both republicans and democrats on that the most dividing is obviously abortion and we've just seen that recently in Supreme Court ruling and and how our young politicians actually talked about it. But that was one thing that really resonated with us. You know, when it, you look at some of the Republicans over the age of 60, I think it's like 70% of them don't believe in climate change. Or they say they don't. Or they say they don't. Yeah. And, you know, that's just frightening. Yeah. Right. Whereas, whereas most of the young Republicans, I would venture to say all of the young Republicans acknowledge that climate change is happening, acknowledge that there is stuff to be done on the environment. Their solutions differ from Democrats. You know, we just saw the Supreme Court ruling on the EPA. That's a really good example of how Republicans and Democrats view the solution different around climate change. Republicans want it to go to state and private industries to set all of these regulations and standards, whereas Democrats want it to be more on a federal level. But we're kind of moving past the time when people were saying that climate change was a hoax or like invented by the Chinese or whatever those lines of of <laughs> lies were. Yeah, for sure. You guys might have touched on this, but what is the average age of a member of Congress? And then also of the younger members, like where are they typically leaning? Is there, do you guys have answers for those? Yeah. So the average age of a member of Congress is about 58 in the House. And then in the Senate, it's 63 around that age. Mm, so it's, it's young old. and spicy. Young and spicy <laughs> is right. It you is know, a solidly boomer as as we were just discussing. Solidly boomer. That's but the like, interesting thing to note in terms of the split, but you're asking about the split between Republicans and Democrats, yeah, right? Amongst the yeah. younger amongst the younger yeah. people. Yeah. So it's really interesting. So when we started political plays in twenty twenty, um, there were thirty eight Democrats and twenty three Republicans. So there was sixty one in total, people under 45 and Democrats definitely had a leg up on Republicans that a lot of that was attributed to people being elected in 2018 and the sort of blue wave, you know, in retaliation or reaction to Trump. Then in 2020, even though Democrats, you know, won back control, won the White House, we now and we now have 76 leaders in Congress who are under 45 years old, which is great. It's an even split 38, 38. So Democrats yeah. actually have the same number. Republicans really gained. And we've talked to people about this and we actually talked to a Republican strategist about this issue specifically. And what he was saying is that Republicans 
are Anthony likes to say this, and this is and he's the business person, so I'm just gonna make myself sound businessy by saying it. Like <laughs> Republicans are vertically integrated. <laughs> so they really look to their own, figure out in a systematic way who they want to bring up within their party. And especially in, I think that this guy, Eric, the strategist we talked to, who's talking specifically about Florida, does this a lot. So we have so many young politicians who are from Florida. They do a really good job, especially in the Republican Party, of looking at their state legislature, looking at their state Senate, looking at their local governments and pulling people up into Mm -hmm. usually some of these like safe Republican seats and getting people slotted in there who can then take over. So. It's just something to know about, you know, if you're a Democrat, like, and you say, oh, Democrats messaging is off, blah, blah, blah. I agree with that. But there's also like a systematic element of the Democratic Party that does not look to its own to, I guess, promote from within. Democrats actually have control the older generation in Congress. So Mm, they actually, which, yeah, yeah, so they actually make up the oldest population and you know, back to this whole vertically integrated, this is where Republicans are very good. They have a message and it just gets, you know, brought down strategy Mm -hmm. and everyone follows it. I always like to joke that the Democratic Party is like a Jackson Pollock painting. There's a lot of different issues (laughs) that they're figuring out. And then there's 50 organizations that are fighting for the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to break through that noise. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think the Democrats lose their strategy. Right. God, it's so You're definitely not going to get an argument from us on that. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> You'll just well, get like long, long tangents. Yeah. Of rants. <laughs> and the reality is like you're not going to see as much Democratic promotion from within, which like, look, there is a flip side to that, which is you look at like if you're a progressive Democrat, that might not actually help the progressive movement because it's those progressives are usually challengers to incumbent Democrats. And then they come in with their new ideas and are able to unseat sort of these people, Democrats who have been in Congress for a long time. But I think that from our perspective and just focusing on sort of people of a younger age representing young Americans, the the Republicans do a a much, much better job of that. And, you know, we'll see what happens this year. I mean, obviously, people are expecting that Republicans will have some sort of victory however that however big that victory is remains to be seen but it will be interesting to see how it plays out in terms of new faces coming in on both sides but i think especially on the republican side if you'll see a lot of new republicans coming in in some of these swing districts especially yeah yeah and i have a a question too in terms of just the younger demographic and the republicans being a little bit more organized on that end do you think it's also like their media sources like you know for them like it's and them, I'm making it sound like so the other, but it kind of is, you know, two like liberal, liberal bitches over here. But like, <laughs> do you think it's like turning point media? Like, do you think it's like some of these other talk shows that are just so like also integrated with their platform? They're all just feel really united. And there's something more to that in terms of recruiting young people or like, do you think it's strictly within the party? I, I, I absolutely think it is. I mean, turning point is a huge organization on the Republican side. Mm-hmm. Then I've always joked with friends from on the democratic side i'm like how is there not a massive billionaire who's doing what the Koch brothers are doing right you know if they, they want to fund us let us know that's, yeah that's yeah. right we're <laughs> exactly. actually looking for an like, investor where are you you know like because they do two events a year they have the 
elite of the Republican Party involved in it and the echelon of the one percenters involved in who are on the Republican side. And then they fund all of these organizations through different companies and whatnot. But I was like, on the Democratic side, the only thing I hear about is certain things at politicians' homes, not from the other people, not from citizens, which always surprises me. I think though, to to the question about like how much their media sources have to play into it, I feel like, I mean, Turning Point's an interesting example because it's very Trump aligned and it was very much born out of that brand of republicanism Mm -hmm. but i would venture to kind of go back a little bit more like bringing up the Koch brothers i feel like there is there has been a decades-long effort you know we're people have been talking about it a lot in terms of the courts and all of that but there's also been a decades-long effort in the conservative movement to find who the new leaders are going to be yeah and I mean, like there are people who, I mean, I know it happens with Democrats too, but I've just heard of it happening way more with Republicans. There are people who are handpicked. A lot of the times they're veterans or they have sort of similar stories like that. They're asked to move to new places to run in Mm -hmm. those districts. Look, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen on the democratic side because it absolutely does. But I think that what happens on the Republican side is that there is a real system in place both which is good and bad, right? Like we don't want to think our politics is that manufactured, but the reality is that it is. Mm -hmm. And we like to think that everyone just kind of is like AOC and is a bartender who runs for Congress. (laughs) But, you know, that's kind of like a pipe dream most of the time. But I think that, you know, if people are out there and they're wondering how, if I'm a Democrat, how can I find my place or find these people? It's like get involved in your local organizations, like find your local Democratic Party chapter, find because those are the people that are going to endorse the races. And those are the people that are going to be finding the talent. And the reality is just the Republicans have done a much better job of finding new talent for a really long time. Yeah, we are just talking about this. The long game in general, like the Republicans have just really mastered and like the Democrats are really all over the place and I feel like lack that strategy and organization, but to also kind of look- Well, you you guys, you you girls are gonna change that, right? Yeah, Working honestly. on it, I bit hope. by bit, I day hope. by day. Obviously. Yeah, we're, we're expecting you to. <laughs> yeah, we're rebranding it for them. They just need to come knocking on our door, we're ready. Wait, no, they did, and then we sent them packing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there was that. Actually, that's true. I did have a question too about like leadership in in the house and honestly not even in the house but just all over the place do you see a trend in like the way republicans i guess bring young leaders into leadership roles in the house and the senate versus democrats like i don't know just even looking at you know nancy pelosi and how she's just like the reigning speaker of the house like is is there she's the prom queen yeah is there any like trends that you see kind of on the republican side that they do actually put kind of younger fresh blood into leadership positions yeah, great, great, great question. Actually, first I gotta say, like Nancy Pelosi really is a queen, though. I mean, she knows how to get things done <laughs> yeah. for the Democrats. It's just, but on the Democratic side, it's all people. I think over the age of eighty, except one of them. And the Republicans did, I think, a really smart move. They brought in um, Elise Stefanik from New York, who's on our platform. She's in the third position in, in the House leadership. Mm-hmm. And actually, all of their leaders are under the age of, I think, 55. Yeah. And the Democrats so are they have they a, a much, Is that what you said? 
Sorry, what was that? That might be hyperbolic. I don't know that they're all over the age of 80 in Democratic like leadership. Average is they, 80. So no, it's Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi Schumer. Jim, well, Schumer's in the Senate. There's Jim Clyburn, who's the whip. And then Steny Hoyer. And also he's, old. they're all, yeah. I mean, we, I used to be a congressional page and all of those were there when I was 15 years old. The one, the one young Democrat who is in House leadership is Pete Aguilar, who is from Southern California. Mm-hmm. He is the number six in the House for Democrats. So, like, you know, he's still leadership, but they don't give out a medal for sixth place. So, <laughs> well, for True. millennials, they do, right? Yeah, you got to participate. Everyone gets a medal. You got to participate. Oh my God, I can't even speak. Participation trophy on a podcast. So that yeah, feels exactly. great. We'll give Perfect. you one, you give us one. Yeah, Perfect. 100%. <laughs> but wait, that is actually crazy that that is like the age difference situation on either side. Does that have anything to do with the fact that like Republicans have a term limit issue or not issue, but like situation going on with their leadership roles? Because I know that there was some talk about that a while back. Yeah, no, absolutely. They so they have a a term limit in their in their leadership roles in the House. The Democrats do That's not. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. So it's um and as Anna mentioned, there's certain states like Florida who really promote these younger politicians. And what we saw in the last election cycle was there were a lot of older Republicans. You know, you heard that crazy number of the amount of people retiring. Those were all won by young politicians. Well, so, and the important caveat to that is that those were all people who were in safely red districts. So mm-hmm. like I'm, you guys have talked about this a bunch before, but when you look at how gerrymandered our country is becoming, frankly, in both directions, I mean, you see what just happened in New York, like they were the Democrats were really trying to like sneak in there and pull a pull a Republican. <laughs> and and I think that that what you see, you know, gerrymandering aside, what you see happening is that districts are becoming more solidly red or more solidly blue. So we have less swing districts than we've ever had before. And so what the Republicans have done in their way of kind of taking advantage of that is that they, you know, people in those districts retire knowing that a young new Republican who can kind of energize the party will win that seat. And what happens on the Democratic side is that they just don't fucking leave. So and then in the, and then but what does happen, especially now in this crazy political climate we have, is that Democratic Democrats who represent swing districts are leaving more because there's just such an amount of like violence, sort of oppression against these people. Stephanie Murphy from Florida, who's sitting on the January 6th committee, is a great example. She's a moderate Democrat. I think she's great. She has an amazing story. She's a refugee from Vietnam since she was a kid. She was the head of something called the Blue Dog Coalition in Congress, which is a group of moderate Democrats who really seeks to work sort of across the aisle, especially on fiscal issues. And she's retiring and she cited basically like everything's just really too crazy and I want to be with my family and she was getting threats and all she's this She's going to vote for, I mean, she was going to run for Senate in Florida and decided not yeah. to. But yeah. so it's happened there. I think that there's a lot in the swing districts right now that, I mean, we just see such an intense pressure on these moderate Democrats from within their own party and obviously from Republicans that people are just like tapping out. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, getting back to to kind of what you guys do and, you know, <laughs> highlighting the, these young, these younger members. Can you also explain kind of why we don't hear from them as much like or why we don't hear about them as much? Like, 
do they need a PR like refresh? Like what what's going on there? <laughs> why why don't we know more about these younger members? Yeah, it's kind of sad because when Trump was being impeached, about four members on our platform who voted to impeach Trump and all Republicans. Of the, and all of the news sources got it wrong. They had no idea where these people were from. And it was just quite surprising because I think there's probably a little bit more turnover for the youngers, younger generation. But in terms of social or using technology, they're much better at it. Mm-hmm. I think the issue comes down to money. Most young politicians are hindered from even running because it's too expensive. And unless they have someone funding their campaign to the fullest, the the average is about a million and a half on the low end. For, a house, a for the house. Yeah. For the house. You That's can crazy. see some people spending as much as 10 million to run in the house. So it's a really tough hurdle for these young politicians to get over because most of them are also coming off of student debt. So unless they have a big fi- you know, financing group behind them, it's very hard for them to make it even past the primaries. I also think to that point, when you were talking about, you know, why we don't hear from them, I think that there's been so much discussion recently about our news and especially cable news. And the reality is that, you know, you're not seeing a lot of these young people on prime time. You'll see them on like, Sunday at 11 on MSNBC or whatever, you know, but, but they're not the ones that are necessarily getting that spotlight. And we all know all too well that a lot of sort of population popularity is politician popularity is generated by cable news still, maybe not amongst people our age, but I think in terms of like sort of cultural relevancy, that's still a really, really big hurdle that young politicians have to get through is to so like you know news producers is really another hurdle i think totally totally and i feel like it's kind of one of those things where like yeah we're not tuning into like cnn or msnbc 24 hours a day but like we are then seeing the clips on ig Mm -hmm. and on tiktok and like it still matters that the person was on of you know a very like valid news source and then that's like repurposed elsewhere so it's Mm -hmm. like when people are like, oh, cable news is dead. I'm like, I don't disagree in certain ways, but I'm also like, yeah, but like that is the step one before it gets to social media. So that's like, such a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to your point, so Sam, relevant. like when something big happens in the world, we might get it from social media, but then we immediately go turn to a on. cable news source and turn it on yeah. to get a fuller story. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen that happen over the last couple of years with I, I, I hate cable TV. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's also I, yeah. true how like we, I mean, we have this issue of, you know, reaching out to certain electeds and we just, we can feel that like this crowd that we have and this young listener base that we have isn't really a priority for some of these re- totally. representatives because we aren't CNN and we aren't MSNBC and those are just like the yeah. status quo, what they're used to for their media opportunities when really like they should be branching out into these younger and the reality is like that's strategy right Mm. like i think that that's something that maybe we'll see a sea change in is like okay well if we want to get some of these younger voices look there are young voices who obviously have resonated on both sides of the aisle and resonated in a way that everyone's trying to figure out how to do that and maybe that's a strategy shift that we'll start to see is like okay what if it's not all about cable news and what if we proliferate a lot of 
you know, whether it's podcast or YouTube or whatever that, I mean, it's interesting to bring that up because I wonder if that's maybe where things are headed to, to get these people out there more. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I, I would just, one more point to this is a lot of the staffers are actually very young, mm -hmm. you know, chief of staffs might be older, but a lot of their staff is young. So I'm actually surprised if, you know, yeah. I was in politics, I'd be like, let's do all these small shows, you know, yeah. someone's going to hear it. And it's, I, I think in this world, if you can influence, you know, one person, fantastic. If it's more than that, amazing. And, you know, I think that's what even keeps, you know, us going mm -hmm. and I'm sure, sure you as well. Totally. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, it's one of those things where there's like the variety pack. You have certain staffers. They're so, so gung-ho. Like they are absolutely, they get it. And then there's others where it just seems they're like it doesn't, like they, they're gatekeeping, but it's more than that. Like they've lost sight of the end goal themselves too. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. they have been in it, even if it's only been like two years, three years since college, whatever, they really have like lost the sparkle the for like yeah. change. For, like it. political power and, like, I've had and the clout. They get kind of caught up in it, I feel like. Totally. Yeah, totally. And like power. both of us had power. so many conversations where like they just, they are people our age and they work in politics and they genuinely do not believe in the youth vote. They're like, it's a loss, it's whatever. Yeah, right, so, it's giving up, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a weird one, but I have another question and it's definitely like a, I'm just curious what everyone's answer is, but okay. We think about like the boomers, they stayed in jobs for literally their whole lives. That was a classic thing. Like you're going to work for one spot. You're going to vacation at the same place every year, eat the same damn meal every week, like boring, 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 but hey, whatever. It was a thing. With millennials, we change jobs like every five seconds. And I feel like with like politicians, it's the same thing. You know, they always stick to the, you know, the same job. They never leave. It's like, move on, do something different. Retire, maybe play ball. I don't know. But like, do you think there'll be a change with, you know, Gen Z or millennial politicians where they run and then they actually decide, hey, I'm in office for two terms and I've done my work here onto the next thing? Or do you think they're just going to like take on the That's boomer work mentality? That's a really interesting question. I mean, I will say that there are several young politicians who are in favor of term limits, or if not term limits, then some sort of legislation surrounding something like term limits. I think that, you know, look, I can't speak for Gen Z. I, I don't understand Gen Z, like, <laughs> man. But I think that uh, that I think that we're seeing this change where people who started politics maybe stay in politics. But my guess is that they move around, you know, like I would be curious yeah. with there's politicians that we cover, by the way, who have had really and who have run at 38 years old and had incredibly interesting lives in the 15 years prior that have brought them to Congress to do something very specific. Like the one that comes to mind is Lauren Underwood, who I'm, maybe you guys have talked about before. Like she was a nurse, then she worked for Obama in healthcare policy. And now she's basically like running the show when it comes to especially maternal health and minority women's health. We talked to Sarah Jacobs, who is a I love her, who's a young That's Democrat great. from San Diego. And she said something that was really interesting she ran for Congress and lost, and then she ran again and won. And she said this thing that has really like always stuck with me that I think is so applicable to everyone and kind of, I think, answers your question, which is that for her, 
it was never about the job. It was about the goal and the thing she was trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we will see that more with young people. I think Mm -hmm. that young people are very issue driven. I think that they like, let's talk about Gen Z, maybe gun violence, right. Is a good issue to focus on. They might be like, my goal in life is to figure out the gun crisis in America I'm going to do this one thing. I'm going to work for an advocacy organization. Then I'm going to go to Congress, see if I can pass gun legislation. Then if that's not, you know, that they're, that they're sort of like reason for being leads yeah. them to politics, but then maybe takes them elsewhere. But if they're effective in that sort of venue, then they, then maybe they stay. But yeah. I think that's such a good way to think about it, especially with young people. It's about Why what's the, the mission, not the career totally yeah i will say though like even on the flip side of that and something that i worry about with our generation is just like our short attention span and how we again we keep talking about this long game situation and how a lot of people our age get frustrated with politics because they don't see the immediate change that they want but just the way that our system is set up is that it takes a really long time to achieve the things you want and the change you want so I just worry about that, too, with our generation, especially we're seeing it now with just like Roe being overturned to also gun control and mass shooting still happening. But it's like it's it's going to take a while, unfortunately, just like the, you know, organizing around reversing Roe has taken decades. Like it's just unfortunately how this and especially is on up. issues like healthcare, care, yeah. especially like education. You know, the issues that ultimately I think will alter our country are issues that you can't solve in one administration. Yeah, absolutely. The sad part was when we looked at a lot of politicians, especially young ones, and we talked to them, education is just not an issue to get people excited about. It is is literally number like 10 on their Mm -hmm. list of things to talk about. And I I was like, that's so sad because education could probably... It help a lot of the issues everything. in our it's like yes. yeah it's like the trunk of the tree building and like, block yeah, yeah. and you it's something leaves. you have to like wait <laughs> generations for to see the fruit come from so it's just wow i love them i love this metaphor i'm not a metaphor girl and i don't know where that came from so. <laughs> that was good it really worked thank you i'm actually it's so hot. It's we so just hot. need to figure out what the roots are if the if education is the trunk Ooh. yeah i actually when that. i was on the campaign we actually used a tree analogy to like to teach our volunteers and it was interesting i don't know if it would have worked for me (laughs) maybe that's where it came from that's where it came from i think for sure well to wrap it up and get like some kind of like superlatives of some of the young members you guys have highlighted can we start it off and get what you who you guys think is like the number one politician to watch right now like who who would you pick so i think there's two from Colorado who I think are going to be pretty big. One's Joe Naduce and one's Jason Crow. They're pretty like middle of the road, but one fighting for the environment, one fighting for gun legislation. So I see them being very, uh, having a strong political career on the Democratic side. My Republican one, I think is going to be, I just love this guy. His name's Dusty Johnson. He's, he's just kind of like a total nerd, but he's very, he's very likable. And I think he's from South Dakota. Yeah. He's from South Dakota. So he's the only representative from there. Yeah. But I think both of them are like a little bit middle of the road to keep their seats as well. And, uh, you know, unfortunately the middle of the road politicians are the ones who are actually losing out mostly, which is scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So my 
I'm going to pick two Democrats, too, to kind of illustrate what Anthony just said. One of them is Abigail Spamberger, who is potentially going to lose her seat this year. We'll see. Yeah, it's a tough, but tough she's district. I think that she, like I feel like if you're a Democrat or if you're a Republican, you should know who she is, because I find she has a really interesting background working in national security. I feel like she probably out of any Democrat on our platform is the most open to working with Republicans, trying to kind of bridge that gap. And because of that, she, you know, is it is a swing district that she represents, which is why that's her, you know, her way of of politicking. So we'll see what happens. But of people who I think have a lot of longevity, I'll just go back to Sarah Jacobs from Southern California. I think that she is super impressive. I feel like it's I don't know, maybe just as like a millennial woman, I think she's like two years older than me. I find she's one of the few millennial women. Yeah. I just find now. her to be incredibly eloquent, but also really relatable. And, you know, I think she had, if you're a pro-choice woman, she had a lot of, a lot of really great things that she was saying about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And then on the Republican side, I would point people to Tony Gonzalez from Texas. He represents, so he actually represents the district that the Uvalde shooting was in. Before that, he was really focused. He's really focused on border security. And the reason that I would direct people to him, especially actually if you're a Democrat, is I think that, you know, George Bush said he was going to solve immigration. Obviously, that didn't happen. And I think that that's one of these issues that will continue to divide us until we can find some sort of legislative solution. And I find that Tony is a really interesting, I wouldn't call him a moderate Republican, but I feel like the way that he talks about border security is incredibly like easy to understand and doesn't feel like it's coming from a place that's overly heated. It's coming from his experience representing that district and Mm -hmm. being on the ground in that district and representing a lot of immigrants from south of the border. And so I feel like if immigration is something you care about, he's definitely a politician to know about. And I think that he'll gain a lot more notoriety. He already has gained a little bit, unfortunately, because of the shooting, but I think that he will continue to do so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. We got a good mix there. Mm-hmm. And like a little state variety. I mean, South Dakota does not get a lot of play was, on this show. So I'm planned. glad they're <laughs> they're having their moment. Top, mm. top five places to visit for sure. Mm. <laughs> really? Group trip? Group trip? Yeah, group trip. <laughs> group trip. Group trip? Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. On the opposite end, though, who do you guys think is going to call it quits at some mm. point in the near future. Like they've had their little moment or maybe they haven't really had a moment, but they're somehow in the political elected scene and it's just not, it's not a fit. HR is going to give them a pink slip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Madison I hope it's Lauren Boebert. I just feel like, I mean, I've talked to Republicans. But I just don't even think that that's like a, like a party issue. I just find that, you know, crazy. I think that she, to me represents kind of like the epitome of the flash in the pan that we're in right now. And I feel like, look, I think there are Democrats that, that I could maybe also point to in that. And I think, I don't know. I just feel like people who come in with kind of like a real activist agenda on either side, they, there's a there's a need to turn that into legislative action that has longevity. And I just I find her to be particularly kind of riding the coattails of Trumpism, which, you know, isn't going away right now. But I think we will kind of see the right evolve in some way over the next maybe four or five years. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Julia Letlow. So she's actually from Louisiana and her husband died from COVID actually before he took office. So I, I could just, she has two young kids. I could just see her realizing that this might not be the world that she wants to be in, Yeah, but it is a pretty safe seat for her. So we haven't seen too much come out of her, yeah. you know, in terms of legislation and whatnot. So I could just see that being more of a family decision. You know what that just made me really want to do is interview every divorced couple where like they were in office married together and then they got a divorce and then find out the real tea. Like, Mm. were you in it? Did you just say yes? Were you supporting their dreams or like, you know, did you secretly want to run for office and both of you guys like want to be peacocks and there's only room for one? Like the majority have to hate each other or like, well, you know, it's so, you know, it's so interesting about that just to kind of talk about the generational thing i feel like what is also cool about young people in Mm -hmm. office right now is they don't have to be married you know like Mm -hmm. even when 30 something year olds were running 20 30 years ago especially women like they had to be married Mm -hmm. you know they had to have a spouse and i think that's a generational thing that makes me happy because it's like and you you know you have people who are divorced you have people who aren't married who are older, whatever. I, I'm glad that we're kind of beyond that requirement. If, if, if you haven't watched Agreed. the TV show yet, First Lady is on Showtime. Oh, oh yeah. Fan, fantastic recommendation. And it highlights the women who really made the sacrifices for their husbands to be in politics. And it's a sacrifice. Totally. Yeah. That. Oh my God. So. And the kids can't imagine having yeah. a parent in that role. That would... Drive me crazy. But to wrap up, where can people find you guys? Where can people get involved and jump on their own playlist? Yeah, all the things. Yeah. Yeah, So you can go to politicalplaylist.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and find our YouTube and podcast there. Our podcast is called Political Playlist Happy Hour. We're available on all podcast outlets. And we also post a video version on YouTube if YouTube is your thing. And then we are on Instagram at Political Playlist. Did I miss anything, Anthony? No, you got it. Crushed it. All the places. And our happy hour, we drink when we talk. We love it. About politics. Yeah, so maybe we can do another one of these while I was going to say we, so. okay, our maybe very first episode we fun. ever did, we we had drinks with us, with our guest, and it was and did not go well. we, oh. No, it was great, but like we literally have never done it since, and I don't know why. <laughs> Sam? Yeah, it's, you know, we kind of, I feel like we kind of just got in a rhythm of it. And I guess I should have said this in the description that we're called Political Playlist Happy Hour because we drink, even though it's not an hour, it's 10 minutes. It's Political Playlist 10 minute hour. (laughs) Happy 10 minutes. Anna Anna has the lowest tolerance. So definitely. I mean, I I would kind of hope so. There's literally no competition. (laughs) I don't drink very much. And so like the one drink I'll usually have during the week is to record our episode mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm like red in the face <laughs> I Michael is going through like three beverages in the recording time and he has this what like fancy cocktail situation I'm super boring I'm not good at making drinks I usually have like a glass of wine Anthony I, always I, has I a martini. would do wine too a martini I always do a martini and Michael always has some like incredibly ornate cocktail that he's invented <laughs> on a weekly basis i mean yeah. that's a fun thing to incorporate into your routine yeah I'm team wine with you though i yeah. cannot make a drink to save i can't my really life. make good cocktails no. either but no 
one thing I learned during the pandemic. Yeah, that's a good skill. That's the only thing, actually. actually. Only thing. Learned. The only thing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. This was a very, very interesting conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for having us. us. Appreciate everything you guys are doing, too. Likewise. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.